This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. And that's what Martin Luther said, quotes this, we are all the Lord's Onesimus. We were all unprofitable before the cross, our BC days. We were all unprofitable. We were walking dead. We were dead spiritually, okay? But through Christ, now we are profitable, profitable. And so just like Onesimus, who once was unprofitable, so too you and I, we were unprofitable and now we are profitable. And that's all because of Jesus. The theme of the gospel is redemption. There was a time where we had nothing and were considered dead. There was nothing that we could have done to fix that ourselves. Then, Christ came and redeemed us because of the work on the cross and the resurrection. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be giving us a reminder of our standing in Christ. When we were apart from Jesus, we had nothing. But now, in Him, we have everything. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Philemon chapter 1. As he continues his message... Paul's prayer and plea. Everybody know what a uniform is. Everybody knows what's a shield, right? I don't need to exercise authority, be bossy or be demanding. Everybody knows what it is. I praise the Lord that I knew Christ before I became a police officer because the career that I had not once had been a complaint against me. I had seasoned veterans who would work with me and they would say, you know, I can't lie, I'm not exaggerating. They would say, I like to work with Panero because Panero would give a, a ticket to a driver and he'll thank him. Okay? Some of you got it. Those that didn't laugh, you probably got multiple tickets. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just, sick. Just kidding. You know, the uniform does everything. I don't need to exercise that authority. In fact, I had, I had a chief that would call my boss and say, you know, who's Panero? Well, tell him thank you. He was professional. And I forgot the relationship. I think it was a niece or grand. And they were thankful. A civilian told me the same thing. A civilian that worked in my precinct said, you know what? I, you know, I don't know who it was, the relationship. But, you know, they say you were really nice. You were professional. Because I represent Christ. I don't need to exercise authority. And I, I, I've, I read this article once when, um, I hate to promote movies, but it was the character Batman. The actor was wanting to know, how, he was acting, he was asking a seasoned actor, Jack Nicholson that it was, Michael Keaton was the Batman. He said, how do you act if you're wearing a costume? How do you act if you're wearing a costume? Because you don't see the face expression, all you see is body motion. You know, it could be his double for all we know. And Jack Nielsen told him, you know what? Let the costume do the work. And that's what he did. And in the same way, I don't need to boss anybody around. I don't need to speak with, oh, because I'm the boss. I don't need to do that. And that's what Paul is saying. I don't need to do it. But I'd rather appeal to you in love. And so the reason why Paul is doing this for three reasons. Why he appeals in love rather than speaking, I, the apostle, I, Paul, you know, well, number one, because Philemon, 
was a man full of love. He already knew. Philemon it has a great testimony. He, he is a brother who loves people. What do I need to tell him for? Now, there was a problem. If he had problems with people, I say, listen, brother, then I have to say, as a, you know, yeah, as an apostle, you need to repent and, you know, get along with your brother. But he had, number one, he had a relationship and he had a, a testimony of loving and even refreshing others. Look at verse 5 again. It says, hearing of your love, verse 5, and faith which you had towards the Lord and towards all the saints. Look at verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. You see, he has this love. So you already know he had this love. So, he lived up to his name. Secondly, Paul loves both Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus, we're going to see, he's like his son. He loves them both. And you know, he wants them to get together in love. And, and that's what we should do. If we're the ones that are peacemakers, we bring two people to reconcile together. You know, you can't show favoritism because God doesn't show favoritism. God shows partiality to no man. So you, because you love both your brother and sister or brother, brother, or sister, or sister, whatever. You love them. You want them to come together. So Paul loves them both. But Paul is using wisdom here. And I think, again, as I gave you the explanation, he knows that a loving appeal would be better than an authoritative command. It'll be better. Out of love. You know, love covers a multitude of sins, right? Love, uh, you know, the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is kind, love is patient, love holds no, love keeps no record. And when you do things in love, it becomes so effective. So effective. You know, people are going to sense that this person loves me. I want to hear everything he has to say. But we do it the love of Christ. You know, everything we do, we are to do it in the love of Christ. As Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he writes this, For the love of Christ compels us. It is the love of Christ that compels us. It has us do the right thing, the godly thing, the Christ-like thing. Because we have the love of Christ. And Paul is handling this as a leader to another leader, to one who already loves the Lord, in the love of Christ we don't need to throw ranks here. We don't need to throw titles here. You know, it's all about love. So verse 9, he says, Yet for love's sake, i rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, in other words, he is an apostle, the age, in other words, he's older than him, and now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's definitely in ministry with Philemon, but he's in jail. <laughs> Philemon is still out there. In verse 10, he says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Onesimus is no longer a slave. Now he is a son of an apostle. Apostle Paul said, this is like my son. Which he called Timothy his son, right? Titus he calls his son. Now, that doesn't mean that Onesimus is no longer a slave to Philemon. He's still a slave. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have to pay for what he has stolen, yes. But what it does mean is that he now stands before God, before the church there in Philemon's house, and before Philemon, as not only a servant, but a, a believer in Jesus Christ. Not only a slave, but a, a slave for Jesus, a, a servant of Jesus Christ. You know, in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. And this is what he's trying to say. Yes, listen, Philemon, Onesimus, yes, he's your servant or employee, but he's your brother in Christ. He's your brother in Christ. Philemon is a master, yes, whatever his profession is. And so is uh, Onesimus, he's a slave, employee. 
whatever it is, but they're both brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we come to Christ, it's neither slave nor free, right? No male or female, right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul writes this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And quite often, I don't know what your view is when someone says that in the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know what your view is, but it needs to be considered above anything else, any other relationship. Why? Well, Jesus set the example. Jesus set the example. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said to his mother, he said, woman, now he's not saying woman the way we use the term woman. He says, ma'am, He's approaching his mother respectfully. Ma'am, woman, behold thy son. He's talking about John, the beloved, the disciple John. John is 18 years old. And so you have, you know, Jesus said, woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy woman as your mother. Now he, he unite them together as a mother and son. Why didn't Jesus say, well, James, when you get to James, my half-brother, or Judas, which is Jude. The book of Jude is actually Jesus' half-brother. It was Judas, but they changed it to Jude because, can you imagine me telling you, let's turn to the book of Judas, right? <laughs> Translators are smart. But anyhow, Jesus didn't trust his mother with his brothers, half-brothers, that is. Oh, remember when Jesus was ministering to, to a multitude and his disciples and there was a man who went right through the crowd. That's my interpretation. And he said, Jesus, your mother is outside and your brothers, they, they wanted to see you. They want to talk to you. And Jesus said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my father? Who's? And he pointed to his disciple and says, here's my mother, my father, my brothers. He considered the body of Christ above his natural blood because it's not about the blood of man. It's about the blood of Jesus. You look at your genealogy. You look at your family tree. Yes, oh, how do you know? You get your DNA test and you find out all oh, your ancestors and aunt. It's, that's not the genealogy that's important. The genealogy is important. We find in Genesis from Adam all the way to the genealogy in the New Testament. It points to Messiah, Jesus Christ, and the genealogy because of Jesus Christ through his blood, and that is you and I. That is more sacred. Now, if you haven't got to that point, that's fine. But just re consider that every believer in Jesus Christ are your brothers and sisters. Whether they are of this church, the church down the road, in this county, it doesn't matter. We're talking about the universal body of Christ throughout the world, throughout the history. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul is, is painting that picture. He's no longer a slave. He's no longer your employee. Yes, he's going to go back. He's going to work with you, work for you. But remember, you're brothers in Christ. You're going to have the best employee, and he's going to have the best employer. Isn't that great? That's a great testimony for those who don't know the Lord. Verse 11, he writes, Who, speaking of Onesimus, once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Remember, what's Onesimus' name? What does his name mean? Profitable. Profitable. And that's what Martin Luther said, quotes this, We are all the Lord's Onesimus. 
We were all unprofitable before the cross, our BC days. We were all unprofitable. We were walking dead. We were dead spiritually, okay? But through Christ, now we are profitable, profitable. And so just like Onesimus, who once was unprofitable, so too you and I, we were unprofitable, and now we are profitable. And that's all because of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you, you know, it doesn't matter. Because here, Philemon considers now Onesimus as a fellow brother in Christ. He was a slave. Now, he is a brother. And we are united together through Jesus Christ. And so, Onesimus was saved. He's profitable. Verse 12, he says, I am sending him back. Onesimus, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. According to the Apostle Paul, Onesimus was not only a son, but he calls him my own heart. I'm sending him back to you. I led him to the Lord. He's not the same guy that stole for you or left your house. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. And for him to get to a point where Paul could call him a son and his own heart, means that he spent some time with Onesimus. And he probably saw ministry. He probably saw, you know, the potential and, and the calling in his life that he could be effective. And I'm sure, based on what I'm reading about Philemon, what I'm reading about Onesimus, that Onesimus really had a ministry. He probably became, you know, an assistant pastor or something with Philemon in the church. He probably planted his own church. He probably became an evangelist after he was set free. Paul saw that. He said, he's my own heart. He's my own heart. And he encourages Philemon to not view him that way, view him as a brother in my heart. Verse 13 says, whom I wish to keep with me. He wanted to keep him. That on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chain for the gospel. And so he realized he could be effective. He said, man, I would love to keep him. I would love to keep him, you know. But Paul knows he has to reconcile. He has to Undo what he's done wrong and do what's right. Verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed, in other words, your good deed in taking in Onesimus and receiving Master Brother, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. I want it to be voluntary. I don't want to demand you as an apostle to do what's right. I don't want to give orders and say you got to obey it. I want it to be, not only give it to you in love, but I want you to do it voluntarily. That way God gets the glory. You, you, and you will be blessed. And Onesimus will be blessed. I want you to forgive Onesimus, receive him voluntarily because you were willing, not because you were forced. Verse 15 says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Even though Onesimus sinned against Philemon, he stole from Philemon, he said, hey, the, the way God works things out, it was the sovereignty of God, you know, that it all worked out for good. And God is in the business of changing things around that it wasn't good. He's in the business of doing that. He brings, you know, beauty for ashes. He brings treasure out of darkness. And when people do evil against you, God turns it for good. You remember Joseph in, in Genesis? Joseph, his brothers, they kind of sold him off, right? And, 
you know, they thought he died. They had no idea what happened. Then when finally when, as he became a prince, second in command of all of Egypt, he appears to his brothers and he forgives them. And what did he say to his brothers? Those who have done evil towards him, he spent years away from his father and his little brother Benjamin. What happened in Genesis 50 verse 20? Joseph says this, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. When anybody does something evil against you, you forgive them without them asking, but God's going to turn it for good. God's going to turn it for good. Now, if you take matters in your own hand, God's going to step back. You're messing it up. Don't mess it up. Let God take care of it. Let God, you know, turn it for good. It's consistent throughout the scripture because we have that in the New Testament. What did Paul say about those who believe in him? In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says, And we know that some things, no, wait a minute. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, not some of the things. You know, it's amazing how many times we, I don't know, I've been there, trust me, I know. I'm one of those people that, you know, I'll crash into a wall and realize I shouldn't crash into a wall. You know, that's who I was. You know, all guts, no brains. My brother, if they want to experiment, they'll use me because I'll do it. You know, and that's how it was. But you know, I've learned that when I was young and I, I, I've always tried to move the hand of God. I try to solve things myself. Especially, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, tough little guy. You have to be tough when you're little and in the Bronx. I didn't take, you know, I didn't really, you know, let anybody mess with me or whatever. I had to prove my point and show how tough I was. Boy, did God change me. He has. Because I've learned that every time, you know, when I got, when I try to do things on my own, try to fix it my way, it comes out ten times worse. It becomes ten times worse. But when I let God work things, when I put Put the situation as Joseph did, where I could say, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Where I could say, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. You don't know. How many times we want to see God do some supernatural things before our eyes that we could see things. But the most incredible thing that you could see God do is you stepping back and God taking care of everything for you. And you're missing out. You miss out. I missed out so many times. I've learned, you know what? God's in control. Yeah, okay, you know what? I don't know. Maybe God is, I don't know. Maybe, why did I go through this? Why this person did this to me? In God's hands. I know I didn't, Lord, did I sin? I try to go back. No, I don't think I did anything wrong. I didn't sin. So you know what? I leave it in God's hand. God takes care of it. God takes care of it. And when I see God takes care of it, I don't have to sweat. Not to worry about it. And God somehow, and I, you know, it's actually a blessing. It is so enjoyable to see God work. And if I were to interfere and do it my way and take matters in my own, hand, my, my own hands, I would never be able to see the move of God. Well, I could not only let God do it because he does it perfectly. I'm, I may do it my way. And, and I may get it to a certain point. And I may solve the problem, but not completely, not better than God. And then you could, not only that, you, you and God fixes the problem. And on top of that, 
you get to witness and enjoy the hand of God to see it move. And it's a blessing to see God bring things together. I let it go all the time. I tell Judy, you know, all the time, we, we go through a lot. We've been through a lot, personally and in ministry. Let it go. God takes care of it. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to justify God. Let it go. As long as I know I didn't sin against God and sin against someone, if I sin someone, I will say, listen, forgive me. I was wrong. Let it go. God takes care of it. And you see how God moves. So no matter what, you do like, like Joseph said, when you meant for evil, God meant it for good. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. You love the Lord? All things work together for good. All things, not some of the things. And you may say, oh, wait a minute, it's not, it's not solving. Um, Lord, it's only been a minute now. <laughs> or you can say, Lord, it's been a week. You're still not solving the problem. Or it's been a month, it's been 10 years. <laughs> God is faithful. Not in your time, his time. God is not subject to time. You have a watch. You look at a clock. You have your phone. God doesn't need to know the time. He knows the time. Even if he's not subject to time, he created time. He's never a minute too soon nor a moment too late. He may not be early, but he'll always be on time. That's how God works. That's how God works. And so Philemon, Paul is encouraging Philemon. He said, listen, he left. But look, he's coming back. He's going to be a better servant. Yeah, he probably heard a complaint. Oh, Nisimus, when he was with me, boy, he wasn't a good worker. He was a lazy guy. Guess what? Not only are you getting a servant back, but you're getting one who's a brother in Christ. And thirdly, he's going to probably be the best servant you have because Jesus is in his heart. And he knows that he does all things for the Lord. Everything he does for Jesus Christ. So you see, it was only for a little while that he ran away, but you're going to have him now forever, Philemon. And you're going to have a good worker. And you're going to have a guy that's going to be a part of the ministry there in the church, in your house. Verse 16, he says, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but now how much more to you? Both in the flesh and in the Lord. Physically, he's going to be serving. He's going to clean your house. He's going to paint your garage. He's going to work in the middle of the night for you. <laughs> But not only in the flesh, he's going to be a blessing to you, but also because Jesus is in him, and they're going to have that kononia. They're going to have that sharing of relationship. And you're going to, he's going to refresh. He, you're going to refresh him. He's going to refresh you. You're going to refresh each other. Amazing letter by the Apostle Paul. Amazing letter. The love is vertical. The love is horizontal. We love the world. We love one another. Pray for a ministry like, like Philemon. Uh, uh, that you can be a refreshing uh, blessing. You have a, a ministry of refreshing others, forgiving others, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on Running the Race. You've been listening to Pastor Eddie as he makes his way through the book of Philemon. I have a question for you. Have you spent time praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ today? What did you pray for? In Philemon 1.6, we get a picture of Paul's prayers for fellow believers. He said this, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. When you pray, don't forget to pray for effectiveness in sharing the gospel. And to that end, we'd love to have you pray for us. Here's Jessica to tell you more. 
prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it was runningtheraceradio.com. And from all of us here at Calvary Chapel of Milford, thank you. Please come join us in person soon. You can find all of our info on that same website. Well, that's all we have for today. But come back next time, and we'll all keep running the race together.